Welcome to the Money and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Nelson. My mission to empower millennial couples to make money moves that won't just improve your financial health, but strengthen your marriage as well. In this podcast, I share stories, tips, and tricks, both from my experience as a certified financial planner and from my own marriage, to help you and your spouse kick financial anxiety to the curb and use your money to create the lives you love together. Let's get started. So if you've, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that one of the things I like to do periodically is take a step back and talk about trends that I'm seeing. What are the things that I'm noticing that aren't just one-off scenarios, but are, are common themes that I'm running into with couple after couple all across the country, right? No, kind of, no matter what your circumstances are, people in this life event right, tend to be experiencing this type of trend. And I, and I like to notice these things and call attention to them because I find it's a way to feel a little bit less alone with the financial struggles that you're having. Right? We, we don't talk about money in our culture. Right? We, we are so isolated when it comes to our financial struggles unless we very intentionally choose otherwise. And so I, I, I like to call attention to these trends it, it just not only to give you ideas about how to handle them, but just so you realize the degree to which you are not alone in this. And so one of the trends that I have noticed has to do with savings and in cash flow. And people who are in a particular life stage that often come to me and say, like, you know, we're just not saving as much as we used to be, or we, we don't feel like we're saving anything at all, right? Is that a problem? What do we need to do with it? And I mean, obviously, if you're not saving, sometimes that very much is a problem. But in this specific trend, in this specific circumstance that I want to talk about a little bit today, I actually don't think it's a huge problem, right? And, and we'll talk about why. Here, here's what I often am seeing, right? Couples who come to me who either have a young child or are getting ready to start or, or you know, trying to have a kid or are pregnant or you know, somewhere in that stage where we're... Or, immediately planning to have kids and either have just bought a house or are getting ready to buy a house, right? So we, we have you know, these two big life events, buying a house and having kids either, I'm, I'm going to say like right now, right? And by, and by that, I mean either um, one, one or both of those things happened in the past year or two, or they're going to happen in the next year or two. So couples who are not newlywed, typically like usually they've been married at least a couple years, but are, are getting ready or just bought a house and getting ready to or just had a child. And those families are what I usually, or in the, in the stage that I usually refer to as a cash flow crunch, right? The, the, the time period right after you buy a house and right after you have kids is typically the tightest cash flow situation you are ever going to run into in your lives. And it's tough, right? And it means that you might, you probably aren't saving very much if you're in that sort of stage. And that might be totally fine if you follow what I'm going to tell you here in this episode. Here's what I mean, right? On savings, just as a, as a basic definition, is the amount of money you make versus the amount of money you spend, whether that's on taxes or housing or lifestyle expenses or whatever it is, right? And so, you know, what, what, what tends to happen is let's say, let's just look at both of those inputs, right? The income and the expenses. Your income, typically over the course of your career, year after year, your income goes up a little bit, right? Um, whether it's through just an annual cost of living increase or slight raises every year or through promotions where you may, might make a couple big jumps over the course of your career, 
um, or job changes or something like that. But typically on a year to year basis, your income goes up slightly year after year, unless you very intentionally have some goals to that basically say you shouldn't do that, whether it's a, a change in job to reduce, like reduce work-life balance or, or I'm sorry, improve work-life balance that reduces your income or something like that. But generally speaking, your income typically goes up year after year. Um, your living expenses and your lifestyle expenses typically do as well with one exception, and that is housing, right? The, the idea be, by, by, behind buying a house, right, by getting a mortgage is that your housing expenses, at least in terms of the, the principal and interest on the mortgage, are fixed when you buy the house, right? So the, the, the payment that your, your mortgage payment itself is fixed where it is. And you know, of course, there's property taxes and things like that, that and maintenance that go up over time, perhaps a little bit. But the, the bulk of your housing expenses tend to be fixed. And so what that means is just looking at those two variables, the first five or so years after you buy a house are really tight typically from a cash flow perspective, because you buy a house based on what you can afford today. Um, that that housing payment is a relatively high percentage of your overall spending. And over time, what happens? Your income goes up and your housing expenses go up a little bit in the form of property taxes and things like that, but the, the mortgage itself does not. And then eventually in the long term, it'll fall off completely. What that means is you know, when I say this, when I talk about this cash flow crunch related to housing, you're in this cash flow crunch in those first few years, right? Where you haven't had enough time for your income to grow to the point where the percentage of your income going to your mortgage payment decreases yet. And like there's the housing cost is a relative portion to your fixed expenses is high because you haven't had enough time yet for the the income and the, the other expenses to inflate and kind of reduce the portion that's going to your housing, right? The, 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 the first five years after you buy a house is the toughest time to, to handle that housing expense, which is why I beat the drum so frequently about not buying a house until you're really ready for it. It's because it's, there's not as much wiggle room in those first few years as there will be um, a handful of years out, right? A, a, a mortgage payment that is 25% of your income today is much more difficult for you to handle today than it will be 15 years from now, because that mortgage payment stays the same and your income increases over time. And of course, there's all, there's yeah, lots of caveats to that with property taxes and maintenance and, and things like that. But generally speaking, right, those first few years are where we run into that really acute cash flow crunch. And the same is true with having children as well. You know, you 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 have kids, and either you are reducing your income to stay at home to take care of the young children until they're in school, or you're paying for childcare or a nanny or something like that. Um, you know, like the, there's this really acute cash flow crunch that you run into when you first have kids. And of course, kids cost money beyond that, right? You're buying more food, you're paying for school activities or whatever it is, but but not nearly to the extent that you are with that um, you know, really early on childcare expenses in those first few years. And then when you when you add them together at roughly the same time as, as couples often do, right? They're buying houses and having kids within a, a couple of years of each other, typically, both of those components of that cash flow crunch come together and it's really difficult to manage you know your income is is growing steadily but the compound interest of the income increasing over over decades hasn't necessarily kicked in yet your housing expenses are relatively high compared to your income because again like your, your income just hasn't grown to the point to make the mortgage payment um 
a, a reduced percentage of that, and you're paying for childcare on top of it. It is really difficult in that scenario to pay for, like you know, to, to save on top of that because you have you have these two huge expenses of of housing and childcare all at the same time. It, it, you might not be saving very much beyond that. And the question is, is that a problem? And, you know, it, it sort of is, um, I, I would say, but it's maybe less of a problem than you might think. It might be okay if you're in that scenario, if you're in the middle of a cash flow crunch and you're not saving very much right now. But one caveat I'll add to that is that you always should be saving for retirement, right? If you're, if you're not able to put anything in your 401ks at work or in IRAs, um, and while you're while you're in the middle of this cash flow crunch, that to me is the sign of a problem, right? You want to be saving at least some for retirement, ideally in the ballpark of ten to fifteen percent of your income, um, at least working up to that point. If you're not doing that, that might be a problem. That may be a sign that some of your other expenses are too high, or your housing expenses are too high, or so on. Um, and so I, I want to see you continue to do that while you're in the middle of this cash flow crunch. But as far as your after-tax savings, what happens after your paychecks hit your bank account? If you're saving for retirement like that, it might not be a huge deal, right? Um, I, I often have new parents come to me who are paying for childcare and say, like, I, I don't know how we're going to save for, for college on top of this. And usually my answer is, like, if you're paying for daycare, now, it's it's probably okay if you're not. What I would do is as the, as the daycare expenses fall off on the other side in a few years when your kid starts preschool or kindergarten or, or grade school, you, you just redirect, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60% of the childcare expenses into college savings at that point, you will be able to catch up at that point. You, you know, if you're able to start now, that's great. You'll benefit from compound interest and invest in the money longer for college and all that stuff. But um, I, I usually find that the easiest way to implement this is to think about your childcare expenses as future college savings, right? As the, as the childcare expenses drop, you redirect some of that into college and you tend to be able to catch up pretty quickly. Um, and the same is true for your other savings as well, right? As you get as you get raises, so that the housing costs are a lower percentage of your income. If you're able to direct some or most of those raises into your savings by that, like by that point, year after year, that actually adds up to quite a bit. Um, and so I, I find that as long as you approach this cash flow crunch with the spirit of you're going to do what you can as things lighten up, so to speak, to increase your savings on the back end and not just spend all the extra money that you have freeing up usually the long-term plan looks pretty good in those in those circumstances and so if you find yourself in that cash flow crunch right now that's really what i would encourage you to do is think through okay like at what point is this going to start to feel a little bit easier and how can we then redirect some of those expenses as they free up or some of those raises or bonuses or whatever it is into savings at that time and as long as you as long as you do that as long as you think through how to redirect most of those cash flow crunch related expenses into savings in the long run, you typically are fine. That's how I recommend handling this cash flow crunch. If you find you're just not able to save that much right now, that's okay as long as we have a plan in the long term for how to increase that. Now, of course, right there's, you know, you, you want to make sure you have an emergency fund. If you don't have enough save to for um have, you know, to have an adequate emergency fund like that would be a case where I, i'd want to do whatever we can to cut back in the short term to make sure we are saving up to have that um, staying out of debt managing your debt payments is a good way to help with this as well maybe even avoiding credit cards if you find you're spending more on credit cards than you would be uh, otherwise 
Um, overall, long story short, right, if you find yourself in this cash flow crunch related to um, buying a house, having kids, you want to continue to save for retirement and, and any other short-term goals that you have. Um, you want to redirect most of your childcare expenses and, and raises into savings as they free up. Right? If you're able to do that, if you're able to keep the other parts of your cost of living where they are now and redirect most of those future uh, gains in cash flow, so to speak, in the savings, you're going to be in great shape. Right? And, and of course, you know, spending on the house is still going to happen. Spending on kids is still going to happen after that. But I find it just when I look at couples that I'm working with in various life stages, it just gets a lot easier once childcare falls off, once you've been in the house for over five years. So that's the way I would think about this. So, it, you know, if, if you're if you're in that scenario and you're not saving much right now, as long as you have an emergency fund and as long as you're saving for retirement, that may be OK. And if not, of course, we want to do what we can to to get there. This cash flow crunch is real. I, I see I'm seeing it in you know, whether you're in a city or in, in the rural parts of the country, like I'm seeing it everywhere for people in that life stage. Don't get discouraged. Don't lose focus and just make sure you have a plan for how to increase your savings in the long run. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Money and Marriage Podcast. If you want to learn more, you can access my favorite money exercise for free if you head to paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Again, that's paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Get your access today and I'll see you next time.